folks, uh, if you'll take your seats, we'll begin in just two minutes. Be sure to drop by our refreshment stand where you'll be greeted by the fabulous Gertie. Did you know that she worked at this theater in one of its earlier incarnations? She was a burlesque dancer. Hey, turkeys! Hope you had a good holiday. Tonight, we're talking about a movie that everyone's favorite space princess, Carrie Fisher, once said was the worst film of her career. (laughs) There'll be racist stereotypes and inappropriate humor, you betcha there is. We're watching a 1981 film, Under the Rainbow. So hang on to your seats. Roll them, boys! What do you get when you take a dash of the silver screen? A pinch of the golden oldies. And a smidgen of streaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your host, DJ and Toppy. Good evening. Well, hello, Mr. Smelly. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I thought I'd launch you there for a second. Well, we are just here in the beautiful marionette theater it's betwixt uh, mr smelly and i somewhere out there in western new york spuds flat dj yes and we are joined here tonight to revel in our love of film and television trivia and uh we just recently had a holiday and i was gonna ask you mr smelly there um you know out there in the pickle hollows when when you sit down to have your family dinner is the turkey stuffed with dill or sweet relish? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> it'd be more like dill, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I actually did not stuff the turkey at all oh. uh, this year, but I have a feeling I, that whatever that joke was went right over my head. Oh, uh, well, you know, that's my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> I figured the pickle hollows would have pickled turkeys. Oh, duh. Oh, that's my bad. Why didn't I pick up on that? Seriously. That's okay. It's not. It's still sort of early for a Friday evening. But, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll send our pickled turkey, turkey on to Ramble Redhead. I'm sure that uh, his husband will appreciate it at least. He'll love it. So tonight we are getting together. We're going to be talking about a early 80s comedy film. And um, did you have some things you wanted to say about this before we talk about what was going on in the world, Toppy? Well, uh, let's just uh, find out why you uh, this was your selection. We kind of trade off. Mm-hmm. And this movie was your selection, and uh, I had never seen it. Um, I, I, I think I knew of its reputation, however, and so now I want to know why did you choose <laughs> this movie? Oh, I feel like I'm I'm in the police station, and the the hot light's been turned on me. Okay, explain yourself, sir. Because <laughs> once you have had the opportunity to sit down and watch this movie, listeners, 
you may want an explanation too. But if you're anything like Tapia and I, you'll at least be the better for it because you'll have had a few laughs. And uh, well, Under the Rainbow is kind of a guilty pleasure. And now ah. that I think of it, I think this is one of those films that I must have caught on one of those free preview weekends when one of the premium movie channels was on cable. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's, it's not hard to think about why they might have chosen this because, of course, Carrie Fisher was the, the hot new thing, having recently been in a couple of Star Wars films when those movie channels came out. And, you know, you, you couldn't get a bigger star than Chevy Chase in the early 80s. I mean, you know, he wrote right from Saturday Night Live. And within five years of having left Saturday Night Live, he averaged about a movie a year. And that's something we'll get into. But I think what drew me most to this movie is the sort of, um, you know, the trivia that just rolls in where you've got a movie within a movie. Of course, the storyline is you have this this young up-and-coming woman played by Carrie Fisher who simply goes by the name of Annie, and she wants to make it in the film industry. She's an assistant, and she's been sent off to gather these actors, these little people, who have been cast in The Wizard of Oz. So the calamity ensues when everybody gets together at this hotel, which starts off as the Culver Hotel. But as you see in the beginning of the film, the switchboard receives a call and a request for 150 rooms. Mind you, this story is set in 1939. So this is just the uh, stage where America is warming up from the Depression, but we haven't quite dedicated ourselves to going to war yet and the uh, the hotel is just in shambles and the uh, switchboard operator writes down 150 rooms when she receives the call but then she's distracted by the boss who's leaving for the day and she wads up her chewing gum in the note for the 150 rooms and no one is the wiser up until the point where the guests actually show up at the hotel. <laughs> right. But well, uh, uh, DJ, this is probably one of the hardest movies to uh, to have a to to tell a, a synopsis of, and that certainly tells the the beginning. But um, if you if you had to in a couple three sentences, this is quite a challenge. I think <laughs> sum up this movie. I dare, I dare you to try. Oh boy. Okay. Well, um, the the uh, the this hotel gets a chance, a second chance at success when the new the new up and coming movie drops its cast at their doorstep, but. Uh, you know they they uh, they have a hard time making a success of it because the place gets turned inside out by the guests. <laughs> right. So I and the, most of the guests are the little people. Yes, you know, and I would probably liken this movie to one of those party movies like Animal House because everything is just uh, you know coming apart at the seams in this film. You just see this this once beautiful hotel. And people 
before the movie is over are hanging from the rafters. Uh, quite literally. And uh, <clears throat> Chevy Chase, he plays a CIA agent. And uh, we this is right before the war. So there's a whole Nazi spy plot uh, inserted into this. Carrie Fisher plays an assistant for the studio that's producing The Wizard of Oz. So her job sort of depends on getting all of these little people ready. That's kind of, that's kind of been what's tasked her by uh, one of the main, I guess the director. And uh, it all takes place at the uh, newly named Rainbow Hotel. And um, why, why don't we, uh, before we get going, just say hi to who's in the chat room. Um, that won't take too long because there's our old friend, uh, spanking B. Arthur, as he's called here in the chat room, but that means it's Matt Burlingame, and you know him from Chubb's Gone Wild. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for joining us this evening. Yes, indeed. Um, <clears throat> why don't we play, uh, DJ, play the little uh, trailer that audience would have seen back in 1981. Okay, and here we go. What the hell's going on here? Guess what happened when 150 midgets checked into a hotel in Hollywood to make one of the world's biggest movies. I want a room. What happened to that hotel and to Hollywood has to be seen to be believed. Now, the real madness can be shown. Give me my bucket! That's my favorite bucket! The cable! And believe you me, it's not short on action. It's not short on danger. I could have held the elevator, sir. And it's not short on romance. Bruce Thorpe, United States Secret Service. Okay. And I uh, suppose that's your gun, huh? Oh, no, I wear a uh, shoulder holster. It's not short on excitement, either. All kinds of excitement. Not bad. And you better believe it's not short on laughs. <laughs> I'm gonna miss you too. In all time for pygmy perversion. See fire! If you haven't already guessed, it'll be out shortly. Chevy Chase, Carrie Fisher, and 150 of Hollywood's smallest stars in Under the Rainbow. A giant comedy. Coming from Orion Pictures. What an interesting hotel. <laughs> there you go. And uh, whose voice was that we heard at the very end, DJ? Oh, the very delicious and dulcet tones of Miss Eve Arden. Indeed you do. Who else uh, do we got starring this sucker? Well, of course, we have Mr. Chevy Chase, and we have Carrie Fisher, and we also have another 80s celebrity, although you may not know him by name, but later on, he was in films such as Funny Farm. He was also in Sister Act, uh, Mars Attacks, and In and Out. This is an Irish-born actor named Joseph, I'm going to say, Meyer? Mayer? And, uh, Something like that. Yes, and he also starred in one of my favorite films, uh, of the 80s, My Stepmother is an Alien, with another Saturday Night Live um, alumni, Dan Aykroyd. 
So this, That's right. So this is actually uh, only one of the films that Mr. Mayer starred in with Chevy Chase. Funny Farm was another. So it was the, the warm-up act, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he's a, a character actor. If you saw him, you'd, you'd know him right away. Um, and <clears throat> he was good in this role. And Eve Arden was a lot of fun as his wife. Uh, and they're both very eccentric characters. Um, also, of course, Billy Barty, um, who uh, has been around for years and years, uh, is uh, uh, head, heads up the cast of The Little People, and he portrays a villain in this movie. Um, and he is uh, basically an agent acting on behalf of the Nazis, and he's uh, a spy in the U.S. of A., and he's after uh, the MacGuffin of the movie, <clears throat> which is a map of some kind. Of, it's like something North American uh, defense system. And it's uh, something uh, that Hitler wants. And it ends up in the lap of Carrie Fisher quite by accident. <laughs> it was. It, it's just uh, so fun to watch this film because... In, in that period of the 80s, there were several films that had roles for little persons. And the great thing about it, it was it was almost um, a period of time where things were changing. People were being cast for roles not because of their body type or, you know, the fact that they were a little person. But you get all these movies that are breaking out of that uh, that mold of being an oddball. And you get things like Time Bandits. And then you get Willow. And sure, there are little people playing those roles, but the, those characters could be played by anyone. And it's 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 just amazing, you know, how much um, their community gets woven into these films just as being part of the story. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Another super famous character actor who has uh, the role of a, a villain is the actor... Uh, who named himself Mako, and uh, he is a Japanese-born uh, actor who has been in the United States for, I think, since he was a kid, and wound up playing uh, just tons and tons of characters in movies and television. Um, and again, he's an actor. If you saw him, you would recognize him instantly. Um, Billy, you know what we should do? Let's set the stage for the world in 1981 when this movie came out and give us a feel of uh, what was going on and who are the celebrities and what were the other movies that were going on here. Take it away. All righty. So in 1981, uh, what happened in the world at that time was the release of 52 American hostages in Iran was negotiated and... Uh, President Reagan is often credited, but uh, I do believe it was actually Carter that negotiated this. Uh, Ronald Reagan is sworn in as the 40th U.S. president. Also, Walter Cronkite signed off of CBS after 19 years on television. The the voice of the space program and evening news for many years. and uh, Many people still associate him with the history of news. You also have the Space Shuttle Columbia. It was the first successful space shuttle launch. Uh, the Los Angeles Centers for Disease Control first reported early cases of what would later become known as AIDS, uh, immunodeficiency. 
Efficiency Syndrome. And then uh, Sandra Day O'Connor became the first woman nominated by the U.S. Supreme Court and later was confirmed. Nintendo first releases Donkey Kong with Mario at arcades. Yay! Yes! And then just a few other notes here. Mark David Chapman is sentenced to 20 years of prison after murdering Beatles uh, singer and songwriter John Lennon. And then we have the first American test tube baby. So the first child uh, conceived through modern medicine, Elizabeth Jordan Carr, was born in Norfolk, Virginia in 1981. Oh, God. Jeepers creepers. So she's like 45 years, 48 (laughs) years old now or something. Oh, God. Yeah. So uh, also, uh, aside from what was going on in the world, just to put things into perspective, some of the stars of today's age that came into the world in 1981. Oh, good Lord, here we go. <laughs> were pop star, singer, songwriter Justin Timberlake. Oh. We also have uh, pop star, singer, songwriter Beyonce Knowles, now oh. known as Beyonce. And, uh, you know, of course, queen of the uh, the wardrobe malfunction at the Super Bowl there. Um, we've got the star, the young star of Home Improvement with Tim Allen. He played uh, one of the sons, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, yeah. And then a couple others. We have the uh, child star from the Gilmore Girls, Alexis Bledel. She played the daughter of Rory. And then lastly, but certainly not least, pop star, singer, songwriter, Britney Spears. Woo, woo, woo. And I bet you Matt's dancing on his side there now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I can't remember if he's a Britney Spears fan. Um, So what about in the movies? Uh, What was coming out? Around the same time. Oh, goodness. 1981 was a bang-up year for movies. I mean, you know, you're ending the 70s where there was a gas shortage and we were changing our relations with the Middle East and we were going into a more conservative economy. So there were 113 films that premiered in 1981. And among those included many famous now films, including Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I do believe may have been one of Harrison Ford's first films after Star Wars. You also have On Golden Pond, which of course starred Catherine Hepburn in one of her later roles. As well as, um, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her co-star's name in that film. Henry Fonda. Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda's father, which also starred uh, Jane Fonda as well. And then uh, just a handful more here. We've got uh, a James Bond film, For Your Eyes Only. I think that that may have been one of the Roger Moore films. Uh, then there's The Four Seasons, which starred one of my favorite TV actresses, Carol Burnett. And uh, the aforementioned film with little persons, Time Bandits, which I believe was a British film. You've also got The Great Muppet Caper with the talents of Jim Henson. You have The Incredible Shrinking Woman with Lily Tomlin. Good Lord. And then lastly, but certainly not leastly, Mommy Dearest. <laughs> Holy cow, what a year for movies. Yes, I mean if if they had movie pass back then, I would have cashed in. 
And uh, <clears throat> can we say pretty safely, DJ, that Under the Rainbow in the midst of all these other movies kind of came and went? Oh, yes, the most definitely here. Now, I'm looking at a chart at uh, the top movies from 1981. And let me just tell you where uh, Under the Rainbow placed here. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, before, while you're looking for that info, uh, uh-huh. I, I can tell you that uh, it cost $18 million to make. And the box office for it was just barely... <laughs> Barely over what it costs to make. <laughs> well, uh, certainly it's no surprise that Raiders of the Lost Ark was the number one film that year. It made over 220... No, I'm I'm thinking it made like something like a quarter of a million, um, which was huge in 1981. And uh, some of the other films that I mentioned are lower on the list, but I will just say that while Under the Rainbow is fairly low, it's number 40, uh, it got beat out by Mommy Dearest and uh, The Incredible Shrinking Woman. <laughs> yes, yes. So... <clears throat> Uh, let's just say it, it, it didn't leave uh, quite an impact, although I was surprised the New York Times had actually a positive review of it. Oh. Um, I won't read it now, but I was <clears throat> I found it uh, archived somewhere, and uh, whoever it was that wrote it in the New York Times, of all people, it, it wasn't a bad review. Hmm. They must have been a Carrie Fisher fan, I would think. Uh yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> let's see. It was directed by a guy named Stephen Rash. How about that for me? Oh, goodness. And I would have to say, G.G., that perhaps, just perhaps, one of the reasons this movie is so bad is this director. <laughs> um I wanted, I tried to find out so hard, D.J., why this guy... And I couldn't find out why. Because really, <clears throat> what he was up to before and after mostly was doing uh, uh, videos uh, for musicians. Hmm. He loved music, and that was his thing. And he did um, uh, documentaries of, of music acts and, and uh, produced them for television. Somehow the guy had a hand in what basically launched MTV, um, although he didn't have a part in MTV when it started, what he was doing at the time, which was making music videos, um, <clears throat> influenced and, and started MTV. But, but a director of you know movies that have a script and stuff... I don't know. I don't know why they got him, but I'll, I got to tell you, I was watching this movie and the direction and the editing is so horrible <laughs> that <clears throat> there, there is like a mile of film footage uh, at the end of a punchline. And then what happens next? It's like, it, it, it's so horribly edited that, it slows the whole thing down uh, where the director chose to start the next scene and how he set it up and uh, how he, you know, told, let the jokes fly. Mm -hmm. It's just so 
terribly done. It's just awful. And maybe another reason why the the movie wasn't that great is that there are about one million writers. <laughs> Never a good sign. Well, you there know, was... th- this is one of those movies that you almost love to hate because there's a little something of everything in it for everyone. And I just find it fun to watch the Duke and Duchess throughout the scenes because you know that these actors have played much bigger roles. But as they say, you know, when they did this movie, I can get the sense that they probably had fun stepping out of their comfort zone and playing silly people. Yeah, <clears throat> I imagine they, you know, Eve Harden, you know, probably had more experience um, than anyone and certainly her co-star as playing her husband, the Duke. And, you know, Chevy Chase, this upstart, and Carrie Fisher, you know. <laughs> here's what I, here's one of the things that any movie that has Carrie Fisher in it, this is what I do. Um, now, I didn't know this at the time, and I don't think anyone did, but Carrie Fisher was very candid about her drug use. When she uh, became an author and wrote several books that were semi-autobiographical, and <clears throat> I guess she was, uh, uh, even before she got into movies, she was uh, appearing at parties and celebrity parties in Hollywood because her mother was very famous, mm-hmm. Debbie Reynolds. So she was partying in the Hollywood circuit before she was in any movie. And, uh, get, you know, I'm sure it would come to no surprise that uh, at these parties there was a, a lot of drinking and a lot of drugs. So when I watch a movie with Carrie Fisher, I try to watch her and try to figure out was she stoned <laughs> or out of her mind uh, drugged out when she was in that scene. Now, all I got to say is she must have been damn good at hiding it. Because if she, I, all I can say is I've never caught her in a scene where she looks like she's bombed out of her mind. <laughs> and she will tell you that a lot of times she was, and she has absolutely no memory of a lot of things right. because she was high. But I don't see it. I, I mean, have you ever? I mean, I just don't see her. She looks perfectly normal in every scene. Yeah, yeah, I I would tend to agree, and you know, perhaps maybe if if she didn't have as many personal demons, um, her career might have gone a different direction. Certainly, she had a presence uh, in the projects that she was in, so you know, she she has a dedicated following, and and I am hard pressed. I I've been wanting to watch the documentary that was made the other year before she passed. It was of her and her mother and their day-to-day life, which in real in real life, they were neighbors. They lived next to each other. And, yeah. um, you know, this, this documentary came out, I think, uh, right around the time that she had passed away. And a lot of people said it was a tearful watch. So I, I'm, I'm considering watching it, but uh, it, it just is going to be hard for me. But getting back to the director, Toppy, you were yeah. saying that Steve Rash didn't do much really in terms of consistency. And uh, I would just like to say that if you anybody needs another example of another film that he did, uh, well, you were saying that he had a hand in part of MTV. One yeah. of the later movies that he did, 
uh, starred one of MTV's own personalities, Polly Shore, in 1993. Steve Rash did Son in Law. This means it's good a uh, good time to go fill your glass and uh, and we'll be back in about three minutes. A, uh, a fairly forgettable movie, but if you're in the right mood, I, I suppose it'll pass the time. Right. Um, DJ, let's play uh, clip number two. Uh, let's forget clip number one mm-hmm. and go right to clip two. Okay. So what do you think? Isn't it great? You like it? It's amazing. It looks just like the sketches. Through the camera, it looks like a real mansion. Special effects cost me $5,000. Probably saved me 100 Thanks a lot. Great. Going to be a fine film. We're starting a new picture next week, and I'm anticipating a few small problems. Annie, you're perfect for it. I'm making you special talent coordinator on this, The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz? But that's already been cast. Now you're not listening. I said special coordinator. Well, what's a special talent coordinator? Honey, this weekend I'm bringing in 150 special extras from all over the world. The biggest bunch of them is going to arrive by train this Sunday. Now some of them have to be ready to work first thing Monday morning. So you'll probably have to stay up all night to get them through makeup, hair, and wardrobe. If I have to work all night, I'm not sure I want this promotion. Hey, you do this thing for me, and you're going to get that raise I promised you. You promise? Of course. Oh, and I need a dog. A dog? A funny dog. And uh, there you go. That's part of Carrie Fisher's uh, playing the uh, kind of uh, the the maven who... uh, who has to collect all these little people together. And speaking of dogs, DJ, how many dogs died in this movie? I think there was at least three, maybe four. I think so. Um, It's supposed to be funny, but it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I think perhaps maybe in a time when little persons were cast in more circus type roles we had a different sense of humor so and you know they uh they may have tolerated slightly more animal cruelty in those days um but you know just remember this is the the era of just say no (laughs) yeah yeah um no 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 uh 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 matthew in the chat room is saying oh no he'll never watch this uh none of the deaths occur on camera and uh, the 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 running gag is that the duke and this duchess have a dog, and the duchess is blind, and this what the poor dogs keep accidentally dying, and the duke keeps replacing them with a different dog so that she never knows. 
So that's the whole gag, but none of it is ever seen. It's just implied. Right. And, uh, but it's, it still falls kind of flat, but if you watch this movie, you would know, you would not see anything uh, that, that happened to the poor dog. And, and uh, some of the humor that's used in this film is, is sort of uh, racist and stereotype just as, you know, they, they have the little person's, in the cast being right. horrible Matt people. just said, making fun of blind people. Oh, Matthew, yeah. this movie, <laughs> tra- well, makes fun of, uh, well, stereotypes of uh, Japanese people, little people. <laughs> no, uh, what else? Nobody is safe in this film. Yeah. <laughs> um, unintentionally funny. Uh, because with today's eyes, we watch it and we go, "Oh my lordy, McLord, Lord." Uh, Man asks, "Was there any gay, any implication of a gay character?" You know, I don't know that I recognized any gay characters in this. I don't either. Certainly, there was a lot of chauvinism because you have a scene in the hotel where the Duchess, played by Eve Arden, is talking to one of the actors, the little persons, and uh, it's an older gentleman who's got a receding hairline, and she thinks that this is just a little boy. So she's talking to him as if he's a little boy because she can't hardly see, and uh, she says, don't worry, when you grow up you'll have lots of nice curls, and he takes the opportunity to cop a feel. <laughs> yes. Uh Let's just say that um, little people are not portrayed in this movie with any sense of uh, kindness, uh, decency. (laughs) Um, Basically, they're presented as all being partying, alcoholic, uh, raging, um, whack jobs. Right. Now, to be fair, though, I don't think that the story had to have little people, you know, in order to do that. I, I, they conveniently wove this into the idea that these folks were all starring in The Wizard of Oz, but you could have easily had this have been any movie and the hotel got destroyed by the cast. Right. Um, but <clears throat> what the, one of the things the movie relies on heavily, I mean heavily, is... Look at the little people running. Aren't they funny? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just like, wow, you know, once or twice maybe. But this part of the comedy of this whole movie uh, relies on, look at all these little people running. <laughs> mm. And it's, it's, just, it's just wacky. Now, the, the interesting thing is, though, that while, you know, we have double standards, because, of course, the little persons in this movie are playing characters that would have originated back, you know, in, in the late 30s at the, the beginning of World War II, this is being portrayed almost 50 years later in the modern day. And here you have Billy Vardy, who's playing the Nazi spy. And uh, one of the things that's important about Mr. Vardy is that he was a staunch Mormon. He was a member of the, La- the Church of Latter-day Saints. But he was also a philanthropist, and he founded the Little People of America Association, which is important because... That is an organization that has brought little persons together uh, to fight for their rights of being equal. 
and it's an organization that still exists to this day. So while in the beginnings of his career, he was playing all those stereotypes that he later on fought to keep his community from being associated with, he was paying the bills, was his, his argument at the time. Yes. Well, <clears throat> um, that was paramount to uh, support his family, and that's what all of the actors in this movie um, were doing themselves, is that it was a paycheck, and so they did it, and... You know, that's life, so. Right, and you know, uh, at the beginning of the program, Gertie mentioned that Carrie Fisher said this is one of the worst films that she'd ever done. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's not the only person. Chevy Chase also went on record as saying that this was a pretty bad film. And, um, you know, speaking of community in in the association with little persons, uh, Jerry Marin who starred in this film, he had sort of a cameo role as a lot of the little persons did that were supposed to have been in The Wizard of Oz because uh, he actually was in The Wizard of Oz film in 1939. He was one of the munchkins in the Emerald City. He actually had an uncredited role. And a lot of the people that were part of the the cast for Under the Rainbow, a lot of the uh, the little persons looked to him because he was sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the tie-in, the, the legend, how they got to be there because this man had been in The Wizard of Oz before. Now, in later years, though, he, he sort of regretted having been in this movie because everybody said it was terrible. But if, if you're looking for, uh, you know, somebody from history... There's a scene in the kitchen in the hotel, and the man who is playing with a baseball bat is yeah, that's him. played by Jerry Marin, who, as I said, was in the original Wizard of Oz. Just as a small role, though, as a munchkin, he may have even been a child at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, Billy in the chat room, my dear sweet husband, um, reminded me of, of a good point. The hotel that they used actually was historically the hotel that the cast from Wizard of Oz stayed in when that film was made. Mm-hmm. And I do believe it was called the Culver Hotel, just as it was in the beginning of the film. Before the uncle walked away and the nephew took over, then the banner came down, the Rainbow Hotel. <laughs> right. And who played the nephew? Oh, goodness. Let me um, dig. Yeah. No, I could tell you it was um, Alan Arkin. Oh. Wait a minute. Who was the father and who was the son? Well, let's take a peek here. Famous actor and... Then his son was an actor, too, and his son was on Chicago Hope, and he was in Halloween H2O. Alan and Alan Arkin and, god damn it, Alan Alda. (laughs) No. (laughs) I'm seeing Adam and Rich. Adam. Yes, Adam Arkin. Yes. And he has a fairly major role as as the guy that that is, not owns the hotel, but is running the hotel and he he has to sadly deal with all of the uh, crazy slapstick uh moments of the movie and by the way it is filled with slapstick comedy and i love slapstick comedy 
Um, and I was a bit surprised at how few of the slapstick gags worked. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of didn't make me laugh. Um, I'm not, and again, I attributed that mostly to the director and the editing, um, which just didn't—they just didn't have any sense of timing at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, the majority of the main cast are people who went on to do bigger and better things. It's just an interesting film to watch to see the pairings of some of them. Because, you know, how many films do you see Carrie Fisher and Chevy Chasen together? This is probably the only one. Of course, it may be the reason why it's the only one. <laughs> yeah. By the way, how did you think they were together on screen? You know, I, I think that uh, some of Chevy Chase's roles in that period were somewhat cookie cutter. I mean, he's playing sort of a detective kind of character. He's mm-hmm. he's on protection duty, a very similar role to the one he played later in the Fletch films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought that, I actually thought the chemistry between them, you know, I could see in another movie, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie Fisher and Chevy Chase doing much better with with better material so i I thought their their pairing and the chemistry between them was good i've i've heard others say differently but i i liked i liked when they were on screen together and did you notice they're not on screen together very much right i mean you know uh for for somebody who's on a protection duty they they don't share the screen of course she's there for her work and so is he but um you know, for being the main stars of the film, I, I wonder how much they were on set at the same time. Yeah, not much. And 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 part of the movie is supposed to be a romance that develops between them. But because they're on screen together so little, it just fizzles. It just, it never really blossoms and you never really feel anything for it. So again, just, uh, you know, the movie would have been way more interesting if they had spent more time on their characters. Mm-hmm. Now, but they didn't. Now, did you happen to notice, Toppy, um, the way that this film starts off and, and how it finishes? Did it vaguely resemble another film from, from the era that Wizard of Oz was out? The way it started and finished. Oh, oh, actually, I may have just given you the answer. Well, I, yeah, you want to, you want to clarify that because sure. I, I understand what you just asked, but. Uh, okay. Well, the, yeah. in the beginning of the film, uh, you, you have most of the main actors being introduced, but in sort of forgettable everyday people. They're, they're at a uh, kind of a dust bowl town, and this group of people are getting together around the radio because the president is making an announcement. And you are introduced to one of the first little persons that you see in the movie, a character named Rollo. And he's got an ambition to become a, a movie star. But uh, you, you actually see several of the actors that are playing the main roles before those characters are introduced. So you have Chevy Chase, who's there at this little Dust Bowl town and he's not playing his character that he is later so it's sort of like the wizard of oz where dorothy's friends are the farmhands and then in the end of the film she realizes that everybody she met in oz were uh portrayed by those farmhands so like the cowardly lion and the tin man 
And so the you know the uh, the character played by Chevy Chase, the the FBI guy. Well, he's there in that Dust Bowl town. So is the Duke and the Duchess. Yeah, and just like uh, the Wizard of Oz, the movie ends with all of us realizing that everything we'd just seen was a dream, maybe, of uh, this first little person that we come in contact with. Right. And and uh, so, yeah, they're, they're trying to, you know, do a Wizard of Oz type thing there, and it kind of worked. Frankly, I forgot all about the beginning by the time, you know, <laughs> this whole movie is going on. And I was a little thrown by, wait a minute, this whole thing was a dream? And... Uh, because I just didn't remember the beginning, so it was kind of cute. But now, what's interesting to note is the actor that played the first little person you meet in the movie, the character of Rollo. Uh, that actor's name is Cork Hubbard, and he played in several other films since then. Uh, of course, always character type roles. So if we look back on his history, after he was in Under the Rainbow, he was in a bunch of TV appearances. He was on The Fall Guy and Magnum P.I. Uh, he was also on the TV series. I don't know if you ever caught this in the 80s. There was a modern day version of Snow White called The Charmings. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also was later on in... Drew Carey, Sabrina, let's see here. I want to say there is one particular role, but I think that I'm confusing him with another actor. But he got quite a bit of work in television, mostly, after this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew in the chat room says he loves the Charmings. Also, yes, why would anyone dream of Chevy Chase? I got to tell you, Matt, uh, Chevy Chase looks good in this movie. A part of it is the costuming. He looks really good in the period suits. He's very young, and uh, he looks good. Yeah. DJ, let's get down and dirty into the trivia, shall we? Okay. What would you like to know, sir? Well, <clears throat> I've just got a whole lot of, uh, of various uh, pieces about the actors, the movie, um, and uh, things like, like, for example, uh, you know why, how Chevy Chase got his name? Well, I know there's also a town by that name in Maryland, but I don't think he's named after it. Yeah, I, I, I don't even think Chevy is his, his real name, but his grandmother gave him that nickname. Oh, his first, his real name is Cornelius. Huh. I didn't know that. I think I'd choose Chevy, too. Cornelius Crane Chase, born in Lower Manhattan, New York. Yeah, his mother was a concert pianist. Hmm. Yeah. You know, they say that the uh, the poster that came out for this film was a little controversial, too, because some versions of it had a longer tagline, based, yeah. you know, based on the, the somewhere over the rainbow, but this is under the rainbow, and it said... Somewhere under the rainbow, way down low, Chevy Chase, Carrie Fisher, and 150 midgets are fighting valiantly to save our country against all Oz. Oz, mm-hmm. not odds. Um, yeah, they, they probably charged by the word, so I'm sure there weren't too many versions of that poster. <laughs> I'd probably, uh, you know, grab them up, too, if I were Chevy and Carrie. I, I wouldn't want to be in a poster with that on it. <laughs> 
Yes, indeed. He did win uh, Chevy Chase. He's the winner of a Harvard Lampoon Lifetime Achievement Award in 1996. Hmm. Do you remember his little TV talk show, DJ? Oh, there were a couple of turns at that, weren't there? God, I hope not. I know of only one. I know one that he did later on, and I want to say it was in the 90s. He had a Doritos commercial that he did as part of it. Oh, yeah. Did you know he was almost electrocuted on the set of a movie? Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was called uh, Modern Prohibition in 19... Oh, the same year. Oh, no, no, no. Modern Problems. and it, Com- Yeah. And it starred Nell Carter. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. She was a voodoo priestess. <laughs> well, somehow <laughs> he was wearing some sort of lights, uh, landing lights, and he's dreaming that he's an airplane... And uh, the current in the lights short-circuited through his arm, back, and neck muscles. And they say it was a near-death experience. Oh, wow. You know, we we are looking over a very important debut that took place in this film. So it's sort of a forgettable film. You know, go figure. I'd pick something like that. (laughs) No, no. You picked it because it has a soft spot in your heart. Yes. Well, there is somebody who makes her first film appearance in this. I'll give you a hint, and you tell me if you know who the actress is. Walk into the light. Um, (laughs) Well, I forget her name, but she was in Poltergeist. Yes, Zelda Rubenstein made her film debut in this movie. She had a very small cameo part as one of the little persons that stayed at the Rainbow Hotel. And this uh, was before she was in Poltergeist. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I remember seeing her in the movie and thinking, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? And that's who it was. And this movie got nominated for two Razzies. So those, those are the awards for the bad films. You've got Worst Musical Score and Worst Supporting Actor. Sadly, the Worst Supporting Actor was listed as Billy Barty. I'm sorry. If you see Chevy Chase's film from before this, Foul Play, with Goldie Hawn, he plays a fairly lovable role. He's a Bible salesman that Goldie Hawn tries to stab to death with knitting needles. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but Chevy Chase turned down the role of David Seville in, uh, or I'm sorry, turned down the lead role in Forrest Gump. (laughs) <laughs> can you believe that am i reading the same bio oh what the hell well i don't know that that was a, a bad turn down i mean i could take it or leave it um that's one of those films that uh, i can you know say that i was fine with watching it once mm-hmm. um gary Shanice is probably the best part of forrest gump uh, and I adore Sally Fields. She is um, everybody's favorite mother from the 80s. And mm-hmm. um, so we have uh, a few more things to discuss before we move on. Uh, we got a, a slightly late start, so we'll wrap things up shortly here. But um, let's see. So the uh, uh, some of the trivia here. Final film of makeup artist Fred B. Phillips was featured in Under the Rainbow. He had worked as an uncredited makeup artist on The Wizard of Oz. So there you go. Another tie-in. We have Jerry Marin, who was in the original Wizard of Oz in 39. 
and then Fred Phillips, makeup artist, who also worked on that film. So, um, very good. Do we want to go ahead and tease our next program there, sir? Yeah, it's probably about time that we did that. Um, okay, shall we why don't you get the coins you out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, first of all, get the magic coin. Alrighty, and uh, we put it in the gumball machine. Yes, indeedy. Oh, and we uh, just pull out this little, yeah, and uh, we got a little piece of paper here. DJ, do the honors. What is the next movie okay. that we're going to be doing? Alrighty, folks. So we're going to take a step back. We're still stuck in the 80s a little bit, but we're going back a year to 1980. And this is going to be a very special episode of Matinee Minutia. We're going to be doing it on the 24th. First in two weeks, Friday at 9 p.m. That's the Friday before the big holiday there. And it's also going to be the first episode with a special guest. We'll get to that in a moment. But this is a 1980 film adaptation of a well-known horror novel. It stars Shelley Duvall before she was olive oil in Popeye. We also have Jack Nicholson after he was cuckoo, but before he'd messed with the witches. And it's set at a ski resort hotel during the dead of winter. This film was directed by the man who brought us 2001 and A Clockwork Orange. We're talking about The Shining! And we'll have a matinee minutia first. Our guest co-host will be Miss Brenda Boo, who I know, believe you are acquainted with, Mr. Smelly. Uh, uh, <laughs> DJ? Yes, sir? I was reading the chat room, and I totally wasn't focusing on what you said. Oh, that's okay. So we are going to be featuring a matinee minutia first. We will have a guest co-host, Miss Brenda Boo. Yes, that's the person I know. Brent, Brent, and I do a podcast together called Lancel. It'll be fun having her on. This was her choice, and I really was gobstruck. I was crestfallen. No, I I was uh, gobsmacked when Brenda chose this movie because I never would have guessed it, but she says she loves this movie. That's what we're doing next. Uh, DJ. Uh, Matt in the chat room just listed off a whole bunch of stories he wants to see. Um, Romancing the Stone, hmm. Gremlins, Mannequin, A Christmas Story, Witches of Eastwick, It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> I think he was trying to guess what we were going to do. <laughs> and then he says, oh, so anyways. Oh, well, you'll have to stay tuned to see what's coming down the pike here. So be sure to join us in two weeks at the same time channel same time fridays at 9 p.m is our new home here at univaz so if there's nothing more ado sir let us bid a fond farewell to our guests yes uh, we had in the chat room for a time a uh, romo from pod cubs uh we had your hubby billy he was there, and with us the whole time has been Spanking B. Arthur. Uh, Matthew Burlingame from Chubbs Gone Wild. Yes, and it should be noted that Pod Cubs is also live here on Univaz on Thursday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern. Drop by and enter the chat room to participate. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. 
and uh, we will say our good nights here. Thanks for tuning in to Matinee Minutia. Our show is live every other Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Stop by univospods.net, click the tower for streaming audio, and enter Discord for chat. Follow us on Twitter at Matinee Minutia. Have a comment, question, or a suggestion for a topic? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com. And of course, you can visit our website at matineeminutia.com. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net. I am going to go ahead and disconnect from the stream now.